Welcome to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. In this podcast series, every two weeks, host Audrey Dove shares with you a new topic related to innovation and its impact for the legal world, with a special focus on intellectual property. Intellectual property remains one of the most valuable assets in the digital age. In Africa, few countries, Kenya, South Africa, and Nigeria, are credited for having IP standards in place. International businesses are already present, operating in areas such as telecommunications or banking. But what are the main opportunities and challenges faced by these companies that increasingly rely on their immaterial assets, such as trademarks or patents? These are the questions that my guest today will answer. Davidson Oturu is an IP lawyer who has been deeply involved for years in the advancement of IP laws in Africa. Davidson is partner at the law firm Elex and is based in Abuja, in Nigeria, one of the 25 largest economies in the world. Thanks to his extensive experience in technology, data protection, and intellectual property rights, his insights should be particularly eye-opening. Davidson, tech innovations usually tend to raise edgy IP issues and therefore shape IP laws and related regulations. In most African countries, the use of high-tech and related services such as 4G smartphones, social media, or mobile banking has significantly boomed over the last decade. And concomitantly, Africa has moved from a mere innovation-consuming continent to an innovation-generating economy, with an increase in local companies focused on high-tech, such as app development, data centers, or e-commerce. However, many countries still have some catching up to do from a legal perspective in order to fully address critical IP aspects, such as patent registration, the liability of internet platforms, personal data protection, cybersecurity. Do you think this lack of comprehensive legal background in relation to IP and technologies has been regarded as an opportunity or a challenge by businesses operating in Africa? Well, thank you, Audrey, for having me here. In response to your question, I will say that, yes, Africa has grown. It has moved forward. Nigeria has also had a lot of developments through the years, but regulations and laws are still lacking to an extent. You have a situation where technology seems to be moving faster than how the laws and regulations can keep up with. But it works both ways. With the lack of regulation, it means that the innovators can come up with inventions in an open space, which would now mean that the regulator will not have to play catch up in meeting up with it. So definitely the business owners get concerned that there is no regulation for this space could limit them to an extent because they wouldn't want to start off something that later turns out to be illegal or unregulated. But I'll give you an example. The use of um, digital currency and cryptocurrency. Presently, there are no extant regulations for that. But we are aware that people are using cryptocurrency and Bitcoin for transactions. So what the regulators are now trying to do is to come up with regulations that can meet up with these technologies so you keep having those, those kind of situations so definitely the laws need to be 
updated to be able to meet up with this. We have quite some obsolete laws. Our trademarks law, for instance, is 1967, you know, which was a reproduction of the laws of England at that time. So it definitely needs, needs to be updated. And there's a lot of willingness on the part of government to understand where these things place and take the necessary steps to make things better. So that's where we, we stand presently now in terms of um, business development and in terms of regulations for innovations and for technology. Do you feel that there's a different pace between the African countries? Yes, definitely. Some countries are more advanced than others. You have South Africa, of course, which a lot of people look at as being advanced technologically. So um, there's also Kenya. Kenya has been very busy in the digital space. When it comes to fintech, they've had quite some developments there. Um, when it comes to intellectual property too, they have um, laws and regulations that makes the industry move faster. I'm aware though that they have an, a draft anti-counterfeiting regulation now that seems more dr draconic than um, innovative because what they are trying to propose is a situation where even though your trademark is already registered with the trademarks registry, you will now be required to register again with the anti-counterfeiting agency which leads to some form of double regulation so sometimes you have situations where people take two steps forward and then three steps back but yes there is a difference in you know in the pace of some of these um, based on your practice and your clients feedback do you think loose uh, regulations foster tech and uh, commercial innovation or on the opposite does a lack of legal security tend to turn investors off um i'll give you an example And I'll still have to go back cryptocurrency again because it's almost like a buzz right now. I, I have a client who is trying to set up a cryptocurrency platform. There's no regulation in that sense for it, but it helps him to be innovative because he's, he went to um, New York University and did quite a bit on big data analytics, did quite a bit on Python and some of these tech innovative related courses. And so he's, he's very excited about being able to practice this. Now, the regulation that the government may bring could stifle him because it may require him to pay certain amounts of money to the government to get licenses. It may take him months or even years to get those licenses. Mm -hmm. So what is it going to be doing from that time till then you know so that in itself could serve as a deterrent to him so it is beneficial for him at his own level the flip side is for the more developed companies who are already doing business or who are looking to do business in nigeria the absence of regulation for them would mean that the government may turn up in the middle of their project and come up with regulations that they will not be able to comply with because of how far they have gone the deployment of finances and technology and only to realize that there are very stiff you know laws or penalties mm -hmm. that relate to carrying out that so it works you know on both sides of the coin it could be risky mm -hmm. at the same time too it could be beneficial uh, in a global economy with international markets expanding ip protection is not a domestic issue anymore What would be your advice for any foreign company willing to enter the Nigerian market in order to ensure the effective protection of uh, its IP assets? And what would be the must-haves in this respect, whether commercial, technical, financial or legal? Well, um, first, you need to get an IP lawyer. That's probably a no-brainer because, as we know, IP is territorial. So even though your mark may be protected in Europe, the Middle East, or in America, when you're coming to Nigeria, you need to register it domestically. So an IP lawyer would be able to let you know the different um, 
requirements and specifications, it will be distinctive. What in your own jurisdiction may suffice as not being against public policy in Nigeria, it may actually turn out to be against public policy. So you also need to know for how long your IP will be protected mm-hmm. in Nigeria. Because in some jurisdictions, trademark enjoys 10 years protection, but in Nigeria, it's seven years and you can renew it for another 14 years, you know. So you need to be able to know the different nuances that applies to your IP rights. When it also comes to things like franchising, because you have more and more people franchising their technology or their IP rights. Um, You have KFC, you have Domino Pizza. You need to be able to understand the regulatory framework to be able to carry out those franchising in Nigeria so that both the franchisor and the franchisee don't end up losing out on what they intend to do in Nigeria. You may also be considering setting up a local company that could um, monitor the affairs of the the users of your IP rights. So you you definitely need to get... um, a lawyer who is abreast on the regulatory framework for setting up companies and for protection of of IP rights. Mm -hmm. For some time now, uh, Africa has been at the forefront of mobile money services, both in terms of offer, use and regulation. Uh, what's the situation in Nigeria? And is the trend towards more competition among operators or are regulatory requirements from telecom law, banking law, or even consumer law too stringent to contemplate more players? Well, I would say that there has definitely been a lot of advancement. You have your traditional banks and then you have the fintech companies. The fintech companies are, have been very busy in the payment systems, crowdfunding, and all the likes. Um, So the regulations have been a bit opaque for some of them. Some some of these technologies don't have the right type of framework that would cover it. I'll give you an example. Somebody may want to register a payment systems platform and he may go to the central bank. The central bank will say, okay, we'll give you a license that we give to a mortgage bank. But another person goes again and they say, okay, we'll give the license that we'll give to a commercial bank. You know, so it has taken them well, there's a level of uniformity now because mm-hmm. they have recently come out with some regulations for these type of service providers. So yes, some of them are a bit stringent. It could probably take about six to nine months sometimes to be able to get your licenses, but it's been opening up you know, a little bit more. There is more collaboration with the Nigeria Communications Commission, which regulates the telecoms industry, and then the Central Bank of Nigeria, which regulates the finance industry they've set up some intergovernmental agencies some intergovernmental collaboration that allows them to jointly review Mm -hmm. some applications that some of these payment system providers or fintech companies or financial service providers are in need of so that is making it more predictable what they probably just need to be able to do now is to make it faster Mm-hmm. and make some of the conditions less stringent because some of them have high monetary conditions which constraints yes, yes which mm-hmm. could um, be detrimental for startups who are interested in going into that sector do you think nigeria generally provides an adequate level of protection for immaterial property um, against infringement and cyber attacks in other words is ip protected well enough both in the black letter law and in terms of enforcement for businesses to feel secure Well, I would say for where we are presently, the black letter law appears relatively sufficient. Mm -hmm. 
but it is in need of amendments. Why I say relatively sufficient is because there's a Trademarks Act, there's a Patent and Designs Act, and there's a Copyright Act. You know, these are the major um, IP rights that, that apply in Nigeria. Of course, you, you have trade secrets and all the others, but these are the major forms that we all know. Now, these laws I need to update, but they clearly define what qualifies as infringement. So, there's a level of predictability. You know that if I do this with this person's registered mark, then I am infringing mm-hmm. on it. Now, when it comes to enforcement of those rights, most times you would need to go to the court. The courts are not very friendly when it comes to time management. So you could probably spend four to five years at the court of first instance trying to enforce your IP rights. And then if that goes to an appeal, basically it could probably take you about... 10 to 15 years to enforce your IP rights. It depends on whether you'll be able to get an injunction from the court that will prevent the person from using that. I'll give you an example. I have, I have a client who is into the pharmaceuticals industry and somebody else um, wanted to register a mark similar to his own. It was opposed and decision was given in favor of my client. But the other party appealed against it in court. And we spent about two years there and decision was given in favor of the other party. And my client didn't see any need to appeal because they consider that the amount of money they will spend on the appeal and the amount of money that they are making in Nigeria from protecting those IP rights may not be commensurate. So they have to walk away from that. Wow. So yes, while the black letter law may be suffi- well, may be relatively sufficient in terms of being able to Enforce it. Yes, that could be another problem. Yes, when it comes to the criminal sanctions now for infringement, again, there isn't sufficient protection. You know, so you don't have enough in the law that would deter someone from infringing because some may deliberately register a mark that looks like you, so that you may approach them and negotiate and then buy it off them. So, But if there's enough to deter that, then the person wouldn't even go there in the first place, mm-hmm. knowing that he may get arrested and prosecuted for that. Over the last decade, companies all over the world have realized that data is an asset, but also a liability. This, of course, includes African-based companies and local branches of international groups in the tech sector and actually in all other sectors such as retail, banking or healthcare, which process significant volumes of data for various purposes. Why many countries have adopted laws inspired by the principles and requirements of the European Union Data Protection Directive, now replaced by the GDPR, do you feel that businesses have integrated these concerns in their development strategies in Africa, and more specifically in Nigeria, and how data protection issues factor in your clients' innovation strategies and investment decisions? So the introduction of the GDPR has definitely led to a new awareness or further awareness on the need to protect data. Of course, big big data analytics now is what a lot of companies from e-commerce platforms to fintechs use to be able to track and to be able to use that data. I mean, I was reading recently of how Uber has been using a lot of big big data analytics, you know, so there's a need for that protection. Now, what you have in Nigeria is that it recently came out with a data protection regulation, which closely mirrors um, the GDPR. It has some deficiencies, of course, in terms of enforcement and um, in terms of the expectations. I don't think there has been sufficient awareness done to the public for them to know that this 
law exists and protects mm -hmm. um, you know data but it makes provision for a data processor it makes it provision for how you keep and monitor data so what we've been able to do for some of our clients is we have started to review some of their policies some of their terms and conditions especially companies that are into payment systems um, you know where you have a lot of data passing through people need to be able to consent to the use of their data. Data protection regulation also provides situations where you can lawfully process data and there are penalties that are also provided for where um, somebody who is supposed to process data doesn't handle it properly. So that could serve as a deterrent and ensure that data handlers and controllers actually manage data pro um, properly. So companies are gradually beginning to get aware of this. But I think the government still needs to be able to do more so that the populace is made aware of, of this. We, on our own part, have been advising our clients on what they need to do to upgrade their data protection position. Do you see the impact already uh, of these new tech, such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, on uh, your clients? And uh, what would be your expectations in the future? Well, I don't think right now in Africa there is a lot of fear concerning technology taking the place of humans because there is still a lot of need for people to there's a high unemployment rate so if you have insufficient jobs for the people using machines to take over more jobs it could probably make it worse and and there is something to be said about lawyers that understand the peculiarities of their jurisdictions i'm not sure that um, artificial intelligence if you feed it the information it would definitely be able to reach a level of predictability but i think humans were unpredictable you know so there are a lot of variables that that, that could come into play mm -hmm. and machine learning is good i think it would help the blockchain is also there too it may help in the protection of data you know and all of that so if anything we are excited for what it will do to our present situation we're not necessarily threatened by it because again it creates an avenue for learning i mean You have people now who are taking our time to educate people on the importance of artificial intelligence. So you could now create um, new courses in school where people get to learn about this thing and then practicalize them. You could um, educate people on the blockchain and how it works, not just with regards to cryptocurrency now, but even in the protection and the use of data. So it's, it's something that would do us good and we're looking forward to it being fully embraced. Do, do you use innovative tools tech in your firm? We use some some tools, but because we're a law firm, so we have a like for instance cloud computing for data, not so much AI. Even though we use some of that for our website, to, you know, questions and answers and you know bots for our in industry, less of it in the banking industry. We're seeing more and more of that coming into play, and I think some banks try to be in the forefront of pushing that out. So, mm -hmm. yeah. to conclude, could you tell us your secret? How do you keep up with tech innovation in general, and more particularly with the related IP legal issues in Nigeria? And if you were to give our listeners one practical advice or a source, such as a blog or a newsletter, a publication, to make them more knowledgeable in the topic we discussed today, what would it be? Well, there's a lot of information out there. I think um, what I've consistently tried to do is to update and upgrade my knowledge. I feel that there's a strong overlap now with IP and tech, and um, it is those who are able to grasp it now that would control or dictate the future. There are a lot of courses on Coursera. There's a very good um, course on fintech by um, 
Oxford University and Said, you know, that is probably one of the best um, fintech courses that are out there. You know, constantly writing. I do quite some some writing on tech, on fintech, on IP, on big data protection, and that constant need to reinvent yourself and to look for that synergy between them. Um, IP and tech. I'll give you an example. You know, so I recently got appointed to a committee that was set up by the Securities and Exchange Commission in Nigeria to monitor and to set up a roadmap for the use of fintech in the capital market because there hasn't been that framework. Now, the reason why I got onto that committee was because I had sufficient knowledge in IP and also in the regulatory framework for tech. You know, so if that overlap did not exist it would have been difficult for me to be able to provide the required knowledge and assistance that the government needed for that so yes and another thing that they could do is they could probably visit my firm's website www.alex.com there's a, there are a lot of materials there on ip tech and fintech thank you very much davidson my pleasure my guest today was Davidson Oturu, partner at Alex. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for future episodes of Brand and New, a podcast from the International Trademark Association. If you liked this episode and think someone else would too, please share it. And to learn more about INTA, please visit INTA.org.